Do you ever wish you could accomplish more of your goals? Well, I sure do. And here's the thing. It's not about better time management. When it comes to making progress, what matters most is often accountability. So today, we're exploring how to increase accountability for yourself and your team members so everyone can achieve their goals. Today, I have two guests, Tasha Howland and Sharon Porter. Tasha and Sharon are passionate about helping individuals reach their highest potential, both personally and professionally, through accountability coaching, which they do through their business, The AQ Partners. Tasha, Sharon, and I talk about all things accountability. Why is it so hard to be accountable? What does a good accountability partnership look like? And how can you support your team members to be accountable? And we get into so much more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to be talking about goals and accountability because I feel like this is something that managers like get all itchy about in some ways because accountability conversations are hard and making sure people do their work is your job, but it still somehow feels like a big lift. So I'm really excited to be diving into this topic that you two are experts on. Thank you for having us. We're excited to share. So excited to share. All right. Let's start with Maybe just some some basics of what is the deal with accountability and you know what is hard about holding people accountable that makes it such an awkward conversation for so many managers to have. You know, I think people don't want to see things actually become real. And when you someone is holding you accountable, it becomes real at that moment. I think people think they want accountability sometimes, but when someone's actually holding you accountable, it becomes hard. And so I think that's, you know, that's why it's uh, it's difficult to hold people accountable because sometimes they don't really, really want it. Yeah. I, I, would, I would just add to that, uh, particularly if you've been a manager, you have probably come across that employee or team member that just doesn't quite take full responsibility for the outcome, good or bad, and we care more about the bad, right? Uh, They don't fully see how they play a role in it. And they are just kind of, I'm sure we've all worked with this person before, they're just kind of hell-bent on it was everyone else's fault but mine. And so that becomes the hard conversation because then you got to really kind of help hold up a mirror to someone who doesn't, sometimes doesn't want to see things for what they truly are, to Tasha's point. I feel like there's a layer to it also of if we're, we don't know what we're being held accountable for, and then it feels really crappy when someone's trying to uh, to tell you that you're responsible for something and you're like, wait a second, I, that's not what I thought I was responsible for. Or I never said I was going to do that. Why did you think I was going to do that? Like there's so many layers to to accountability that gets tricky as a manager and also just like as a person who's trying to hold yourself accountable. I mean, we let's talk about that for a second. Why are we so bad at holding ourselves accountable? Again, looking at ourselves in the mirror and being honest. <laughs> like truly being honest about why we're doing something, about our fear of for not doing something, 
right? Because it's always a fear of the outcome, which is why we don't want to do something or why we do something, right? So that is the number one reason we don't want to face what we fear. And I think self-accountability is more difficult. I, I don't think that we're meant to do things alone in that way, which is the reason that Sharon and I have been together and have been so successful because we're partners and I can be transparent and honest with her about things that I want to accomplish. And she's going to remind me constantly of, <laughs> remember, you said this is what you wanted to do. Remember, this is why you want to do it. And so I think partnership is really important um, when you talk about accountability. Right. We see that all the time when they say, if you want to lose weight and you're going to go to the gym, like find a buddy to go with you, right? Like there's an element of the social side, but also the like, if I told you I was going to show up and I don't, you're not going to be very happy with me. Like as you spoke to something that is really big for Tasha and I, and I'm sorry, it went off kind of like a light bulb, right? But studies have shown like you are 95% more likely to achieve your goal if you have an accountability partner. Like 95% more likely. It's that social commitment that you just spoke of. That is the important thing. And when you have that social commitment, so Tasha spent to, mentioned it, we've been partners for, I think over, we'll just say over a decade because I stopped counting yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've been personal accountability partners and then we, we started doing it in the professional realm. But there were things that I couldn't get done, right, that I always put on the back burner. And how, how many of us can sort of attest to that, that there are things that we wish that we dreamed and whether they be a soft goal or, you know, an aspiration, we just kind of put on the back burner. And to Tasha's point, because we developed relationship and we had a meeting time and we talked and I would tell her, this is what I'm going to do by this date. And if I didn't do that, Right. Well, I be well. Here's the thing. I wanted to do it because it was that accountability call. Because there's that social aspect. I don't want to not be the person that I said I want to be. I don't right. want to not achieve. And that really becomes sort of uh, it's a motivator because yeah. then I don't want to waste her time. Right. Because I don't want to waste her time because she's showing up for me and my goals. So if I don't do what I said, then 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 what am I doing? So it really really motivates people. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about it enables me to be the person I say I want to be, right? Like that is such a beautiful way to frame accountability that it's not just about like get the thing done because you said you'd do it. It's actually aligning yourself with the person you want to be who does these things, who gets these goals done or who accomplishes and has that impact. So beautiful. Can you unpack, because I love there was a little graph on your website that talked about that 95% and it was like building up from the bottom of like, step one is just say that you have a goal, like make a goal for yourself, right? And then there was like a step two. Can you walk us through what those steps are and kind of what's the impact on the likelihood you're going to accomplish your goal if you kind of get all the way up? We all have goals, right? You know, we make these goals and we've heard the, the adage about writing it and making it real. And so when you have a goal or an idea, you're about 10% likely that you're going to accomplish it. Just having the idea because it's in your head, 10%. Not good odds for me. I'm not really a betting person, <laughs> but not really good odds for me. Then when you consciously decide that you're going to do it, let's say in January, you're like, okay, I'm going to make these goals for the year. And yep, I'm making a decision that I'm going to do it. You're about 25% likely that you'll get it done. But it's likely that life is going to happen. Things are going to get in your way if you don't put something else around that goal, right? Deciding when you'll do it, 
So I'm going to have it done in three months or by the middle of the year or by the end of the year, then you increase your odds to about 40%. We're still not even at 50%. Like I at least like a 50-50 chance, right? (laughs) So how do we increase that? You commit to someone else that you're going to do it. That's when you get to 65%. Those are really good odds, but still not good enough for me because I'm not a betting person. I want like 100% (laughs) likelihood, right? So when you add having a specific appointment with that person that you committed to, that's when you get to the 95% chance that you'll actually get it done. You know, in the office, we can have these sorts of statistics as well. If you want to achieve a goal, you need to say that we're going to do it and we're going to meet every Monday until it's accomplished. We're going to check in on the status of it and we're going to keep reminding you why it is that we have to achieve this goal, right? When we have our personal goals, I think the why can sometimes become difficult because we really have to dig deep into why we want to do things. You know, a business setting, we want to increase revenue or, you know, we want to meet this particular customer. And so sometimes those goals are a little bit easier to understand the why, but that's one of the big things that Sharon and I talk about as well you know, in this appointment, the accountability partner has to fully understand the why to remind you to keep going, right? Because things will get tough. Life will happen. We will have to make pivots, but you never change the goal. You might just change the path to get there. That is fascinating because I feel like in the world of work, right, we have goals, but things are always happening and deadlines get moved and plans get changed and all the stuff that is in the whirlwind of the day-to-day that kind of interrupts us. Or we thought we were going to close this customer and then they didn't. And so it it totally changed the direction. Can you talk a little bit more about how to manage accountability within that kind of whirlwind where, you know, especially if you're not always in control of what's on your plate and someone is giving you things and you're like, well, now how am I going to get to this goal when three hours I had planned to work on it are now having to be dedicated to something else? Can you talk a little bit about how to manage that accountability within that kind of, not chaos, but within the kind of uncertainty of work? So I'd say as accountability coaches, what Tasha and I do when we work with our corporate clients is that we help them sort of identify uh, team members who want to be more, to contribute more, and and they want to take their team to another level. And so inevitably, there may be some barriers there, and they might be both internally or externally. Sometimes we have some managers who don't manage well. Sometimes we have some leaders who don't communicate well, right? And sometimes we have a team member who is challenged getting things done because sometimes information flowing to the top down isn't the best or bottom up is the best, right? So we acknowledge that it could be anywhere. And so what we do is we work with our clients to sort of kind of get a lay of the land of what's happening. And then how do we encourage, we figure out a a strategic plan with that person and with the team on how they can better communicate with one another, acknowledge the obstacles that are in the way and create strategic plans to help them get to the goals that they're trying to get to. And meanwhile, holding them accountable, as Tasha said, in that plan, we're holding them. And when they come to Roblox, we're there to help them work through how you get through the roadblocks and completely understand what's holding them back. Uh, again, the fear of it all, the I don't want to say anything to my boss because I don't want to get fired. All the things that might kind of creep, creep up into our conscious, real or unreal, but it does have an impact on our productivity. 
Yeah. I'm wondering if you could tell a story about yourselves or some of your clients or someone you work with and how they, like, what, what was there a moment that they had that kind of like, this isn't going to work. I got to change the goal or I got to, I got to change, I got to give up on it. And you worked through that with them. And kind of, how did that play out? All right. I've got a personal one. You want me to give a personal one? Uh, yeah, let's sure. hear it. <laughs> so Tasha and I, we, we talked about this. We, uh, we started off as personal accountability partners. And that's a, that's, a, that's a conversation we'll get into another day. But one of the things that I found myself in was I was trying to get out of debt. And I, had, I was living in, in Maryland. I had a home in Maryland that was underwater. And it was difficult for me to sell. And I'm living in a whole nother state. So you can imagine the financial pressure that I was under. I'm living in a whole different state. And I have this and I want to get out of debt. And so initially, you know, my thought was, oh, I'll rent my house. Oh, I can do that. A year later, <laughs> and I couldn't rent the house. Two agents later, and, I could, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, I want to throw in the towel. I try to sell the house. First agent, I'm like, and again, I'm in another state, so it's difficult to manage, and you want that energy, and you want to stay on people, and I'm not there. And again, I'm losing money by the day. Again, my goal is to get out of debt. I'm losing money by the day. It's not working out for me. And so I go through another agent and I'm like, it doesn't work. And then finally I decided it was someone I knew and there's nothing, you know, nothing to her, but it, it just didn't work out. And then, you know, Tasha reminded me and she was there with me as I was frustrated the entire way. And I'm like, how am I going to get out of debt? How will I reach my goals? How will I get rid of this house, sell this house without doing any, any more financial distress to myself? So eventually I found another realtor and a year and a half later and all the things, and it was Tasha because Tasha wasn't emotionally connected to the issue like I was. So she was able to kind of keep a clear brain space about what I was in and think strategically when I was thinking emotionally. And so it was because now I still had to do the work, but I had a partner on the outside who said, hey, did you consider this? Hey, did you consider that? Hey, did you consider this? Things I hadn't because I was overwhelmed with the stress of what I was dealing with. And eventually it was her help and her support and her accountability that kept me saying, OK, yeah, I can do that. OK, I'll make that phone call to the bank tomorrow. I'll make that phone or I'll look into that program. And eventually I sold my house, thank God. And I came out of debt, right? And so we put together a plan that helped me to come out of debt. And so that was a tremendous help that, you know, I am forever grateful to Tasha for. I love that. And right, the way to like stick with it and to have that clear-mindedness, that is so helpful. And it is something that we definitely can lose sight of inside of an organization with so many things going on. And it just, so I, I love that external kind of third party almost perspective that can come in and, and do that, that thinking with you. That sounds like such an essential part. Offers like these are just part of what you get when you become a member of the Modern Manager community. In addition to giveaways, discounts, and exclusive live events, you also get the extended interview each week, which is 10 additional minutes with a guest and my one page of key takeaways from the conversation in a fun graphic format. Are there other parts of being an accountability partner, you, we talked about the importance of reminding the why, and now we have this piece of 
kind of a third party objective, you know, strategizing, you know, not get emotional about it. Are there other factors that you have found to be really essential in making a good accountability partner? Uh, commitment, mm. right? We've been doing this for over a decade, she said, and sometimes you might get tired, but if you have goals, you have to be committed to it, right? You know, we both have full-time jobs and are running businesses and you can get tired. There's life. And I think commitment is probably, you know, one of the other factors. Another thing that um, we talk about is grace. It's important to remind yourself and to remind your partner that it's okay. Sometimes you're going to be in your feelings and I'm going to let you have that for how long, Sharon? Maybe about five minutes. <laughs> and then we're going to keep, pick it up and keep moving, right? So I think those two pieces, you know, also contribute to a really good partner. And I'm, I'm going to add a third one. Uh, seeing your blind spots. Your partner can see the blind spots that you can't see. As an accountability partner, both personal and professional, there might be things that I do or Tasha does that when we're getting in our own way. And we don't acknowledge it, right? Um, whether it's I just move too fast sometimes, right? Sometimes I just move so fast that I miss the details. I need Tasha to say, mm, slow down. It's time. You, you know what? You didn't get that because you didn't slow down, right? I need, and, and so I'm speaking general terms, but we all have blind spots. Listen, to be honest, we all have blind spots. And as managers, it is important for us to see and know what our blind spots are, particularly when we're trying to lead. Right. And so we can have very, say, strong personalities as managers and we can be domineering. And, and just because as a leader, you can probably have a very strong personality. That's not that's not an uncommon trait as a leader. But what if you have someone on your team who will not speak up because they don't have such a strong personality? And so they they sort of kind of play to the back. Well, as a leader, then I'd have to encourage you to hey, your blind spot is well, it's a great you know, it's a great attribute for you to be such a strong leader, fall back sometime and give that other person an opportunity to speak. They want to speak, but if you keep talking, <laughs> <laughs> they cannot. Right. Let's talk about the goal setting process for a second here. And I, I want to I want to kind of go into two different parts. So the first part is, do you have a particular way or a recommendation for how to write a good goal? Like, is it a smart goal? Is it a something else goal? Is there a particular way you like to write goals? And then I wanna, after that, get into how do you break your goal down into the tasks? And, and to what degree are your accountability meetings that you've set up focused on the big goal versus focused on the small tasks that are kind of steps along the way? So first, let's start with the, the big. How do you set the goals? What What's your formula? I think people typically come into, um, you know, a relationship with us with goals already. And so we like to go back a little bit just to make sure that the goal is actually what you want. So we focus a lot on the why, right? You mentioned losing weight. That's a lot of people's goal, but is the goal really to lose weight or is the goal to live healthy? And why is it that you want to live healthy? Because you want to live longer to be with your kids or... You know, do you want to play a certain sport or something like that? And so I think people come with their goals. So we go back a little bit and make sure that we understand the why, because if the why is not strong enough, it's going to fall off. 
This is why you have constant dieters, right? Because they're dieting for the wrong reasons. They don't really understand why and they're not committed to, you know, deep down inside why it is that you're trying to lose weight or that you want to be healthy. And they're not constantly reminded of that reason. So I think we spend a lot of time understanding the why, which then reshapes the goal into something that we can actually work with. That makes a lot of sense. Do you, is there a level of specificity? Like if I said, I want to write a book and I know exactly why I want to build my brand. And by the way, I'm writing a book. So everyone who's listening, it will come out eventually. I'm, I'm doing that public accountability thing right now where I say it live. on the show live and therefore it's going to have to happen. But is that enough to just have a kind of, this is the big goal? Or do you want, do you want people to get to a level of specificity where they can like see it or taste it or kind of be able to to know it's done. I think specificity, we, we do get to specificity and we, we spend some time and I'll give an example of a why, right? There was a gentleman who could not kick smoking. He smoked, he smoked, he smoked, and he tried the patch. He tried going cold. He tried all the things and nothing worked. And then one day his daughter came in and said to him, daddy, I'm afraid if you keep smoking, you won't be there to walk me down the aisle. Well, now his why changed, right? The why hadn't been strong enough. And so we work with our clients and say, let's just go beyond the surface to Tasha's point. People are back. The gyms are full the first three months of the year. I can't stand it. But by March, <laughs> everyone's gone. <laughs> Everybody's gone. I, I even go in like, how long are they going to be here? All right, because I can't get on a treadmill at all, right? Because it, it isn't strong enough, right? So is it diabetes runs in my family? I could be facing leg amputation. I could be going blind if I don't get my, right? I could be facing a heart attack or a stroke the way my, you know, my other family members have if I don't do this thing. And so we really do. So to your point, yes, the specificity and it's got to stick and it's got to mean something because if not, it can really be filled with something else, right? It, it can be just to say I'm going on vacation may not be enough because you might get to the vacation. Guess what? Because I did this after vacation. I went right back. Just told whatever I wanted. Oh, yes. All right. So now let's talk about those weekly accountability conversations that seem to be such an important part of actually making progress. For those, what do you recommend that we do with our team members if, 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 we, if they have the goal and we are really there to help them accomplish whatever goal it is that the team is working on, that they're working on? Do we need them to say, okay, by next time I'm going to have gotten this done or you know, these are my tasks for this week that I'm going to be reporting up back on. To what degree do they need to be telling us so that we can hold them accountable? And or a different approach? Is there a different way to kind of have those conversations so that they're making the progress and we're serving as a good partner to them? I'm a program manager by trade. And and so I operate things very methodically in life. And yes, there has to be an action list, right? Sharon and I used to meet in the morning and at night. So in the morning, it was what three things are going to get accomplished today that are toward your goal. Mm. And we have a ton of other things that we do during the day. And sometimes I try to use, you know, I got my laundry done today as you know, an accomplishment, but that one doesn't count, right? No, it does not. You know, really quickly, what three things are you going to get done today that, that are toward your goal? Because we have life and other things that are coming up with this. And then in the evening, checking it. Did you get it accomplished? If you didn't, 
why not? Let's talk about what the obstacle was and how we can overcome that so that you can get those three things done tomorrow. And I'm going to back up. And so you'll see just how Tasha and I work together. As she said, she's very program management task oriented, whereas I tend to lean more in the relationship, right? And so I'm going to say that the first thing that has to be in place is that you can't have an accountability relationship with anyone you're not in good relationship with. So that's first. And you have to be able to, and as a manager and as a leader, if you're trying to hold someone accountable, let them, they've got to be able to trust you. There's got to be a level of respect and trust because it's a vulnerable space to say why I'm not getting something done. So the first step I'm going to say is that you have to establish that trust, that respect, and that safe space. Nothing gets done in accountability if you don't feel safe in the environment. Accountability is not about being, you know, a drill sergeant, right? Did you get this done? You didn't, da 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 Just check the boxes. That's not at all. And that's not what Tasha's saying at all either. But it is about having relationship, having a safe space, being encouraging and supportive. And you have to know your own strength. As a, as a manager, as a leader, you have to know what your strengths are and what they're not. And if that's not your strength, then I suggest you work on it because you should, as a leader, right, have a level of empathy uh, for your team and know how to communicate that in an effective way. And so once that relationship is built and or and I would hope it's already in place, it's not punitive, right? That relationship, that accountability can't be punitive because as Tasha said, you're going to have to show grace. There are going to be reasons why you don't get something done. And that person should not feel as though, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world because I didn't get this done. No, because life happens. And it's about being encouraging and supportive and as an accountability partner. And there, there's, a, there's a cheerleader element as well because we're in, as invested in your success as you are. Oh, yeah. And sometimes if you don't get it done, that's an opportunity to realize that you need help. And when you're in the safe space and there is a trust and relationship, you can ask for the help that you need. So when the question is like, why didn't you get it done? It's like, you know, because I need help with it. I love that. And Tasha, I really love what you said about the three things that are going towards your goals and that like doing the daily things like getting the laundry done does not count. And I think it's easy in the workplace to be like, well, I did these 500 things that I needed to get done, but none of them were actually beyond my normal day to day, just keep things going. And that we have to kind of acknowledge that there's a lot of work that just has to get done but that is not the same thing as working towards your goals and that we need to distinguish them and hold ourselves accountable and hold each other accountable in different ways. So I, I really wanna just lift that up. And Sharon, to your point about the trust, right? Like maybe a manager is not the best person to be an accountability partner with their colleagues or with their direct reports because there's always a dynamic of power as much, even if we don't want it to be that way, it still exists. And being able to help our team members connect with each other in, in accountability relationships might be something that we should be exploring further. So unfortunately, though, we got to start to wrap this up. So will you each share about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Dr. Amy Pritchett was, uh, I think, my first female manager, and she is a boss. <laughs> She was a family first person. And and for me, I loved the balance that she had. We talk about work-life balance, but she actually, actually lived out work-life balance. And she said to us, you know, I don't care where you get the work done as long as the work gets done, right? So if you want to sit outside of the park and do your work, do your work if that's where you're most productive. 
And she didn't say get it done by close of business. It was get it done before the start of business. So if you needed to work all night to get it done because start of business for her was 5 a.m. So as long as it was in her inbox before 5 a.m., you were golden. And she was personable. Uh, She liked to have fun. But we got the work done. And I think she definitely, like, you know, to Sharon's point, created that safe space for us. And we felt comfortable talking to her. And she is super smart. um, And she was just, she was phenomenal to work for. And I'm going to say Nicole Neighbors Jackson. She was a a chief of staff. And so a chief of staff to about 1,500 employees. So that's a lot of personalities. It's a lot of personalities. I was amazed. I was impressed with how she got me to perform at my highest level at all times because I didn't want to let her down. And she never said anything disciplinary to me. She never said anything critical of me, which was amazing, right? There was never anything critical, never disciplinary, never why did you do that or that it was. So tell me, tell me what happened. Okay. And then we talked through a situation and boy, I wanted to make sure, and it wasn't necessarily a bad situation, but I just wanted to just make sure I did the best every single time. And she also taught me that your team, what's going on in their personal life is going to show up at their work life. So you ought to get to know them and find out what's going on because if Amy is going through a divorce at home. Well, it's going to show up at work and you want to know that and you want to understand how you need to manage that, manage Amy Amy, and manage those expectations. If someone has got a bit of a, a, a dying parent, you, you need to know. So it can't just be transactional. There has to be relationship. And that's what she ta- taught me. And I started leading my team meetings every morning. Every Monday morning, I would get with my team and I find out what's going on with them. I take interest in them before we do any work. What's going on in there? What makes them happy? I'm interested in them above and beyond what they can do for me at work. And those were uh, like two of the greatest lessons I ever learned. Love it. Amazing. And where can people learn more about both of you and keep up with your work? Sure. You can go to our website, theaqpartners.com. And we're on LinkedIn, the AQ Partners. You can also follow both Tasha and I individually on LinkedIn. I'm Sharon Porter, C-H-E-R-O-N, Porter, P-O-R-T-E-R, and Tasha. I'm Tasha D. Howland, H-O-W-L-A-N-D. Well, thank you both so much. I love this conversation. I love getting to dive into the world of accountability so that we can all individually and as our teams accomplish the big goals that we have. Thank Thank you for having me. This has been great. Tasha and Sharon are providing members of the Modern Manager community a 50% discount on a private one-hour strategy session to help you break down your big picture goals into small, actionable steps and craft a massive plan of action tailored to your lifestyle. This dynamic roadmap will guide you and help serve as a foundation when you encounter inevitable struggles and setbacks so you can focus on success. To get this incredible offer and many more benefits, become a member for $15 per month at themodernmanager.com slash more. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off any subscription that is monthly or annual. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.